Washington suffers their fifth loss of the year on senior night in Boulder to a Buffs team who keeps their bowl hopes alive. There were mental and physical breakdowns on both sides and on every level. Colorado was playing with their hair on fire. Washington's offense was never able to make an adjustment against the blitz. And on the defensive side, there were too many missed tackles and coverage breakdowns. This is fourth and inches, a Husky podcast from sports illustrated Washington. I'm Trevor and we're like Remmer and Cooper. Man, I feel like I know this. We used to watch this movie all the time when we lived together. Other than Super Troopers, this was probably number two. Yeah, that was like Uh our mainstay. Man. The third guy was named Squee. Oh, got it. Yep. Uh, (laughs) uh, Basketball. I swear, if you guys rip on me like 13 or 14 more times, I'm out of here, man. I still use that. It's a fantastic line. Baseball coach. I had a baseball coach. My pitching coach this year. He was like, I don't know. I call all freshmen squee, and I was like, Oh my gosh, you just <laughs> used a basketball reference. I was like, Until I learn them about halfway through the year, they're all squee to me. Yeah. Now the uh, creators of South Park are not bringing us this episode. Today's episode is, of course, presented by Vintage Brand. VintageBrand.com is a sports apparel and gift brand celebrating the rich history of American sporting culture. Their collection includes 10,000 digitally restored mm. authentic vintage works of art reproduced on apparel, wall art, koozies, drinkware, and more. All November long, they're giving away daily $100 promo codes for new email subscribers. Relive your favorite vintage UW logos, which Jake, in case you didn't know, they've put a couple of new logos on there, so you can go spend your money on those. In case yep, I didn't Husky know. Stadium Moments and Rose Bowls. <laughs> Use promo code HUSKY19 to get 20% off of all products through the end of the year. Jake, obviously, I said it in the intro, Washington suffers their fifth loss of the year. I was texting you early, uh, actually late last night, maybe early this morning, I can't even remember anymore, that uh, at the beginning of the year, I quoted myself and saying, I know there's a loss on the schedule, but I don't know where it is. Um, actually, there was at least five. Here we are. So, yeah. Jake, uh, kind of where are your thoughts on where this program is right now uh, before we get into the game? Uh, where this program is right now is not a good situation. Terry, Mo- Terry Hallman tweeted last night if you looked at the two teams from last year's Rose Bowl Washington and Ohio State the trajectory that those two teams have taken over the over the last year since they played each other is polar opposite Ohio State is now in the forefront for the playoffs and we are crumbling big time yeah and Ohio State in my opinion looks like the best team in the country yeah He's not wrong. In this 2019 season, um, you can't have two more opposite programs after the first half was a dominating performance, but a very competitive second half of that Rose Bowl. Yeah. Washington definitely is uh, trending in the wrong direction for the 2019 season. You don't want to try a lot of new things, especially in the Apple Cup. You want to win that game really, really bad. But it's almost to the point where you want to start trying new things. Well, I mean, and we're going to get into this offensively. There has to be some changes. I'm, I'm tired of seeing Kyler Manu on the field. Well, you got, you got two more games to see that. Um, 
The thing about the defense, though, is Washington's offense continually put them in tough positions in the first half, and only giving up the 13 points was a major win for the defense. Yeah. So I think a lot of the responsibility has to land on this offense that even when they started moving the ball, everything looked really, really hard. Yeah. Like it, it didn't look like any play was necessarily an easy pitch and catch outside of a couple of quick slant routes, but the lack of creativity on, on first down when even uh, the play by play guys were saying, Oh, it looks like Colorado brings a run blitz every first down play. Yet Washington continues to run the same up the gut kind of play and puts the offense in a second and long situation um, is, is just is a really tough situation for this Husky offense to be in, in game 11. I agree. Especially like we had alluded to before in the previous show against the defense that you should go out there and fix your offense with, but instead it seems like you move backwards. Yeah, it looked like a lot of the plays that Washington designed when they were oh, number one, a lot of their their passing plays they were in passing situations where Colorado knew what was coming and was able to uh, get home with some pretty decent pass blitzes. However, it didn't seem like Eason had many quick hitters uh, when he was taking those sacks. That the plays were more developing um you saw one work with Terrell Bynum over the middle but there were so many times where that pass rush got to Eason so quickly that they weren't able to develop those routes to get those key first downs and frankly chunk yardage yeah yeah chunk yardage was not a thing not existing yesterday everything was 10 11 12 13 route you know yard routes and I think in the second half they realized that those long developing plays weren't going to work and you were just going to have to meticulously work your way down the field. And it worked a couple of times. You just ran out of time. Sure. And and that's because that offensive performance in the first half was so bad. Yeah, it was. What is your turning point for this offense against the Buffs? You know, it has to come in the first half. Um. There wasn't a whole lot of success in the first half. But we're down 14-nothing? 13-nothing. And we finally start getting a drive going. And we got a couple first downs, and I'm thinking, okay, let's get a a quick score right before the half ends, and let's reel them in and get them within one score. Third and three with about a minute left. Easton gets a little bit of pressure, tries to spin out of it. Big sack, big loss. Absolutely destroys that drive and ends the first half down 13-0. That was a really big deal. And the thing about the first half is if they score any points in that first half, I think Washington is in a much better position to win this game. Even a field goal in that situation makes it so Washington, once they score their touchdowns, they're able to kick some of those field goals and use Peyton Henry. Uh, But because they were down the two scores consistently all game, they were not able to kick field goals when the uh, opportunity arises. I think about that. And then, of course, the uh, interception that 
Eason threw in the red zone. Those two plays really killed the momentum in that first half for Washington. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that interception hurt, man, because that was a nice yeah. long drive. You know, and then and then in the red zone, you get down to the five, and I think we were on the ten, and he threw the interception on the five. But that was a heck of a play by that linebacker, too. That was a good play. Um, I yeah, there there's some there's some issues. I mean, uh, the argument we you had aside, there are some issues that Jacob Eason is is exhibiting, and. Uh, in the last five quarters, he's he's struggled uh, with the interceptions. Yeah, real bad. Yeah. How about your turning turning point for the defense? Uh, the turning point in the defense was obviously in the fourth quarter. Um, Stephen, Ma, you know, they have him backed up on the one yard line after a fantastic uh. punt and a great cover by Kyler Gordon. Um, that was absolutely a thing of beauty, you know, falling into the end zone, keeping the ball out of it and placing it on the one yard line was just so beautiful. And then of course, to start it with that offsides penalty that, you know, resulted in a sack, uh, a safety that doesn't count is just heartbreaking. Uh, Steven Montez then just gives the middle finger, goes straight up the middle quarterback sneak for like 12 yards, hurts yeah. himself. They bring in, uh, they bring in their freshman quarterback, who uh, gets blown up on the uh, RPO, and is able to fall back on it. But they're now at a second and seventeen. They get one yard. You're at third and sixteen, and you're thinking Washington can get a stop here. They're going to get decent field position for a game-winning touchdown drive, and the pass rush almost gets home. Montez is able to sneak out and throw like a little like jump pass layup finger roll looking thing um, to a wide open receiver for 27 yards that absolutely breaks Washington's back. Yeah, that whole drive was kind of funky. And, and that's a really good turning point, actually. I, I, I kind of forgot about that play just because of my hatred for Easton right now. It's I have blinders on and on either side of my blinder is Jacob Eason. So I'm glad that you brought this whole sequence up because the whole time that this is happening, from the time we punt the ball to the time that they get that first down, you're thinking all of this is good yep. except, except for the offsides call. They could have had a safety. They, they missed out on that. They could have had a fumble. Missed out on that. They could have had a long third long stoppage they missed out on that. And it just seemed to be the story of the entire game. And that one drive sums up the entire game for the Huskies. You know, it's crazy. A whole lot of failed opportunities, you know, missed opportunities, missed opportunities. Absolutely. That last drive really reminded me of the end of the Stanford game as well, that after they were able to get that first down, you knew exactly what, Stanford and Colorado was going to do. They were just going to hand the ball off to Fontenelle, just like they handed the ball off to Scarlett. And he was still able to chunk five yards a carry. Yeah. And Washington was absolutely not able to make their stops to give their offense one more chance. You know, this, this Washington defense 
I was, I was getting into it, not getting into it. I was having a discussion with a guy on Twitter and I really appreciated him pushing back on me and allowing me to push back on him a little bit is th- I, I still, the future is bright for this team and especially on the defensive side, because this team, they, they're going to lose miles Bryant for sure off the secondary. Everybody's back. They're going to lose Benning Potoi. They're going to lose their starting middle linebackers. I can't Big think deal. of and I can't yeah, I can't think of anybody else that's going to not return next year. Yeah. Um the question would be um if uh Keith Taylor decides to declare. Other than that, this this defense is back and they've shown flashes flashes of being elite. What they have to do is figure out how to stop the team when they know what they're going to do with the game on the line. And that comes with experience. Yeah. Yeah. And and the more experience they get, the better that this team, this unit will play together. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Because there was definitely some lapses in coverage um, and one that they got away with when Chenault had uh, possibly, he had one guy to beat for a touchdown and he dropped it. He was yep. wide open. But that's okay, though, because that makes up for uh, Trent McDuffie that just am- amazing wrapping catch. a touchdown. I couldn't Trent believe McDuffie he was, that. Oh, my God. Trent McDuffie had that and just – Chenault just uh, – man, it was incredible. He showed that maybe not – you weren't – you're not necessarily an idiot. Um, yeah, but, because he showed flashes of being an absolute stud. Yeah, first round pick. Yeah, but receiver. then, but then Savon backs it up with just proving that I am an idiot. The rushing effort for Washington netting thirty two yards is not going to cut it. Um, no. The thing about the thing about college that I don't necessarily like is they lump quarterback sacks in with the rushing total. Yeah. So um, it looks like they only got 32 yards on the ground. However, Richard Newton had 32. Savon had 29. You put that together, you have um, 61. 61 yards. Come on, but, teacher. Yeah, but their <laughs> but their average Newton averaged 2.7 yards, and yeah. Savon only averaged 2.2, and that's just not going to get it done. Against a mediocre Colorado defense. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, that, I mean, that was the point of the attack was you can run on this defense. You can throw on this defense. And we didn't do either. Unfortunately, in the last two weeks, these defensives have been able to have get right games against this Washington offense. And that is a major issue. Jake, what are your grades for the quarterback? F minus. Do you I, want to explain more or you feel good about I, what you've said I, already? I, well, I just want to say that last night I was on the I hope Eason declares train and I was conducting it. Like, let's drive him to the airport so he can go get a plane ticket to get out of town. And I've backed off of that a little bit. But I still, man... There is a ton of work to be done. I don't even know if you'd say he's the front runner to be the starter for next year. He That's an emotional take. The emotional take is him is him declaring for the NFL draft and me wanting that. 
But the way that he's performed against really bad defenses, Trevor, the last couple of weeks, you have to say that there's a better option for this team right now, right? Um, no, I don't think the situations that how, how could you not? Being, because I'm trying to explain it to you. The the I don't want to listen to you. I, I want you to tell. agree with me. The, court, the 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 offensive staff is putting Jacob Eason in tough spots. A guy who's let's see if he graduated, he's probably twenty twenty one years old. That's your option, or you put in. So you're either going to throw a redshirt freshman in Sermon or a true freshman in Morris in there, and they're going to fare worse than a guy who's at saying- least had bullets flying. Um, until this offensive staff is able to put their quarterbacks in better positions all quarterbacks will struggle. I'm not saying right now. I'm not saying this year, Trev. That's an emotional take, but I'm saying next year I want to see Sermon or I really want to see Dylan Morris is what I, what I really want to see. You don't, you don't think that Dylan Morris could hit a wide open receiver down the field? Not after he's gotten bludgeoned for 45 minutes. Okay. Agree to disagree. I don't, Perfect. I don't, I don't agree. I think, I think you're wrong. Disagree. You're wrong. <laughs> said good day. All right, Jake, what do you got for the running backs? Yours is You're really wrong. easy, by the way. You're wrong, Colonel Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> Your mama's wrong. Alligators are honored because they got all the pieces of toothbrush. Somebody, somebody's got something wrong with their Adulam Alangata. Madula Alangata. <laughs> What do you uh, give the running backs? I give them an F minus. Uh, I'll give them a D, a D plus. Because they got a fault. touchdown. Well, yeah, and it's not it's not their fault that nobody's blocking for them. It's also not their fault that their coaching staff calls a first down run every single play. Every when play, yeah. Colorado's totally running run deep run blitzes all game. Yeah. When Rod Gilmore knows what's going on and you can't make an <laughs> adjustment, there's a problem. Uh, this is sad. This is, this is painful. Do, does, do Husky fans still hate Quint Kessinich? Probably. I do. Yeah. Get those cupcakes out of here. <laughs> Anyhow. Okay, so you give him a D. That's like asking if we hate Barbara Hedges. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? She, she only submarined the program for a decade. <laughs> do you want to do tight ends and receivers together? No, we can do them set. Well, okay. You know, they both had pretty good days, really. I mean, for when they were given the opportunity, I feel like both units had pretty good days. Okay. Um, I feel like the broadcast listened to our show prior to <laughs> going live because they – A – Oh, that the Langdon was a better run stopping linebacker. Yep. And then two, A and two. Did you notice that? Uh-huh. Uh, they use cotton. Yep. Like, come on, man. And one of our listeners pointed that out. Yeah. Um, we appreciate you, man. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I couldn't believe it. Man. ESPN will be hearing from our lawyers. Yeah. That lawsuit's going to be huge. So La Tigers. <laughs> so I give them probably a B plus. You've you've loved Kate Otten forever. Yeah. Is he the most steady, dependable receiver on this roster? Yes. 
the guy doesn't drop balls. And if he does, it's because there's somebody down an ineligible man downfield. Yep, exactly. He did drop that one, but man, yep. he is so steady. Well, it's because he knew it was going to get called back anyways. Obviously. Duh. He's the smartest guy on the field too. <laughs> I need a Kate. I need a cotton jersey. Is what I need. I, I tell you what, I did appreciate they did do. There were some things that this play-by-play group did not do well, like saying that. Hunter Bryant hadn't been targeted yet. Targeted once, are- and then he had a catch, and then he just had the trick play thrown to him. He, not only that, but he already had a catch for like 20 yards. Yeah, so I know. So they were wrong on that. But shout out to Sid Otten. They did mention that Cade was um, coached by Coach Sid Otten, who just so happens to be his grandfather. That's pretty sweet. Uh, did you? Yeah, I liked. I, I they did a little I, bit of homework. You know, you know what I didn't like about them is the interview that they did with um, Cordell Stewart. Cordell Stewart. Holy cow! The, the the guy that interviewed him was such a dork. And like, <laughs> honestly, like somebody like was like, "Hey, there's Cordell Stewart. You need to go like interview him." And the guy was probably like, ha, "Who's Cordell Stewart? Like, get get the <laughs> hell out of here, man." You ought, like, you know who that really bothered? Cordell Stewart. It, it really bothered Mike Martin. Oh, did it? Oh, yeah. yeah. He was like, stop interviewing Cordell Stewart. Yeah. I, I just, there's a well, game going on. I don't have a on. problem interviewing Cordell Stewart, but like, get somebody that knows who, like, who he is. Like, everything. It made it feel like a preseason football yeah, a game. A little though. bit. Oh, well, but that's kind of like, Colorado kind of needs any exposure that they can get, right? Yeah, you just don't do that during a – I mean, it's a close – I don't know. I didn't – I did not like it because it – not only did the interview happen while there was a game going on, but there was no play-by-play going yeah. on with it. I get it. I mean – Because you can get away with it in baseball where you interview the guy, then in the 3-1 pitch, but football, you can't yeah. do that. Yeah, the guy tried to say that there was a slant completion – during his interview but i don't know i just felt like yeah. i just felt like the guy had no idea who cordell stewart was and after the interview you saw him just like cordell stewart like stick out his hand for a handshake and the guy just like awkwardly like like sandwiched cordell's hand with his notebook in his other hand and then like bounced out i was like oh this is horrible <laughs> what's the offensive F. line yeah they did not perform yesterday there was holy cow Adams got straight beat one on one at one point for one of yeah. those sacks. Communication looked really. Tough. You know, I I think back to when I played football, and I think of when we were practicing our plays. Okay, you you run the same play five times, six times until you get it right, and then you run it again to make sure that you got it right. And the defender that you're I'm on the offensive line. The, the guy in front of me knows what the play call is because we have to run it over and over and over and over again. And he, he keeps right. beating me because he knows where the ball's going. And I look to my coach and I yeah. go, coach, he knows where the, where the play's going. Like, how do I block this? And the coach says, I don't care if the entire defense knows where the play's going. If you execute how the play is supposed to be ran, you're going to win this play. So shut up and block it better. And I think about that now with college football. 
even though Colorado knows a run's coming on first down or a pass is coming on on third down, you still have to block the guy in front of you. And they didn't do that. I mean, you're not wrong. You'd think with the talent that Washington had, and, you know, a lot of fans clamored for them to just punch him in the mouth. You yeah. did. And um, the excitement and the emotions that go along with senior night and Ralphie five and all of that stuff made it look like one team really, really wanted to be on the field. And one team was really, really cold. Okay. Let's get to defensive grades. huh? D line. D line. I'm going to give him a C. Uh, I thought there were some times where the defensive line was able to get some push, but not consistently enough. Levi had an amazing sack to keep this game alive. But the pass rush wasn't what I thought it was going to be able to be against this Colorado offensive line. And uh, unfortunately, as a whole, this, def- this, this defense didn't make enough plays when the game mattered. And part of that was the push that the offensive line was able to get to allow Fontenot to get to that second level. Yeah. Um, speaking of Montez real quick, are, were we the only team that he hadn't beaten from the Pac-12 yet? In his career, he hasn't beaten USC. Okay, uh, lineback- That's what I know for linebacker. sure. Linebacker, linebacker. I'm gonna give a D. Uh, Ulufusio, uh looked really good at times. Uh, Manu, uh, there was a lot of the snaps. It was Ulufusio and Manu. Yeah. Um, and there were some times where, unfortunately, they just were beat to the point of attack. And instead of squaring a guy up, we're trying to make arm tackles. The Colorado receivers or running backs were able to break through those arm tackles to get to the second level. And uh, that just, that can't happen. Uh, Ulufusio almost got a paw on that little jump pass that, um, that really broke Washington's back. He was pissed at himself. It was, you, when, when you give up 20 points, you did things right, but they just didn't do enough, and they gave up plays in really big situations. Yeah. Uh, cornerbacks. Corners, I'm going to give a C, because I thought at some points they played pretty well. Steven Montez, 20, 17 for 28, 233 yards. You know, that's that's fine. They gave up some plays that they shouldn't have. Uh, but at some points they looked decent, so C C minus what I think would be an appropriate grade for that side of the ball. Okay. Um, and safeties, I'm going to give a C minus. The broken coverages, unfortunately, the one down the sideline. Um, that again, it was Cameron Williams who wasn't able to pick that guy up when Trent McDuffie released yeah. him, uh, so he could because he, his responsibility was that that quadrant where uh, looking at the flat. So he let him go. Williams was really, really late going over there. He was wide open until they can get that communication down. The secondary is not going to see experience success. The defense was better than the offense. Um, The offense really put Washington, Washington's defense in a really, really tough situation, especially in that first half. And being able to bend on short fields in the first half kept Washington in this game. 
So you got to give them some credit there. But when the game mattered, Washington's defense was not able to deliver. That's kind of been that's, that's, that's been the narrative. Well, all kind year. Of been, yeah, it's kind of, exactly. It's kind of been the mo all year for this team is the Stanford game, the Cal game comes to mind. Uh, this game. Yep. And even, I mean, you, the same could be said for the Oregon and Utah games as well. You know, you, you have the lead. Utah, yeah, you have sure. the lead in both games, and the defense just lets the 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 um, opposing teams just start waltzing down the field. So that's yeah. kind of been uh, – it's been a trend this year with this team. And at this point, all we can hope for is that it gets fixed by next year. You know, I yep. we have to – we still have to win the Apple Cup. Those guys had a hell of a comeback last night. I thought Oregon State was gonna. I thought Oregon State was gonna snip them, but uh, man, I, I was rooting for him tough too. In the second half, you started to see Jacob Eason get some deep shots and missed on all of them. Andre Bocelli was wide open on that um, that route down the middle. He overthrew him by about five yards. Uh, the deep out route to Terry, Terrell Bynum. Uh, from about the 20 yard line wasn't close. Uh, what was your initial thoughts on how Jacob Eason fit inside this offense? I don't even want to talk about it. You're doing this. You just, si- you're doing this just to poke the bear. Yeah. You, <laughs> you promised fights. We're going to give it, dude. Uh, last night, me and Trevor probably texted on the phone for what? Two hours last night, yesterday after the game. During the game, during the second half and after the game, probably. Yeah. And I was shredding apart Eason. I was pissed off, and I'm still pissed off because he overthrew every deep ball shot that he could have taken. You know, you know where the nicest deep ball throw came from this game, Trev? Could you tell me? Steven Montez. No. Well, yes, uh, yes, Aaron Fuller. Aaron Fuller had the nicest deep ball, and it was a hell of a play by the cornerback. The only reason that that pass wasn't completed was because of a great play by a defender. At least he had Hunter Bryant with hands on the football. Jacob Eason overthrew every receiver that he threw deep to by six, seven, eight, nine, ten yards the entire game. Even my wife got tired of watching it. And she's from Lake Stevens, and she loves Jacob Eason. And she got tired of watching him overthrow people. Give your receivers a damn chance. Stop overthrowing them and trying to show I, – I don't know if he's trying to show off his arm or if he doesn't realize how to finesse a ball or what it is. But you have to give your receiver – you have to give your receiver a chance to fight for the ball at least. I mean, especially when the receivers have the corner beat. So to answer your question, if he can't complete a deep ball to a wide open receiver, he doesn't fit in this offense very well. This was Jacob Eason was not sharp in this game at all. There wasn't uh, he was uncomfortable from the start. A lot of that was he was under a ton of pressure. He was also passing in very obvious passing situations where Colorado was able to pin their ears back. Yeah, Landman had a very productive game. Yeah. Uh, he was able, uh, you know, you mentioned, and they even mentioned that he's more of a run stopper. However, he had uh, a tackle for loss and two pass defensed. So 
he was uh, he was a problem for for Washington. The offensive line didn't give him much time, uh, and you know he got hit a lot, and he ended up with happy feet. In your text, you said, "Tell me why this is the coach's fault and not Jacob Eason's fault," and that's because they were not able to dial up the correct plays in the correct times to give Jacob Eason enough time to get into a rhythm. Yeah, but, that's why I put the blame on the. But when on they the did, staff. he overthrew them every time. It, it doesn't matter if they didn't put him in a good position because when they did, he overthrows the receiver. It doesn't even give his receiver a chance to come down with the ball. He spent the first half on his back. Stop trying to roll out of pressure and step up in the damn pocket. There's nowhere to – there is nowhere for him to go. I disagree. I, I, I think he gets rattled super early as soon as a little bit of pressure comes. And he tries to run out of the pocket instead now, of that. Instead, I agree with instead of stepping up, and he's he's probably half a second from finding somebody breaking out of a route and deliver a ball. So the thing about that, though, dude, and I agree with you that uh, he did get rattled, and that is on him when it comes to that. I still put the responsibility on the coaching staff to give him some quick hitters to get into rhythm. But I think this goes back to what we've heard some of the people that we've had on talk about is he needs more game reps. Um, I think he needs to get, I think it's good for him to get punched in the mouth for his progression as a quarterback and as a leader and as somebody that can stand in the pocket and make those throws as a guy who's not going to be able to escape the pocket and run for many first downs. He's got to learn how to do this. And so I think this is the next step in his um, progression as becoming an NFL quarterback. He wasn't sharp today. Uh, and I think it's because of the pressure that was being thrown his way. I thought the coaching staff didn't do him many favors in finding easy completions to get him into rhythm. Therefore, most of the game he struggled when he was in the pocket. Uh, the the His best series was in the fourth quarter when they scored their 14th points when he delivered some strikes getting blasted. Um, he converted a fourth down. He converted another third down where he got hit and delivered a ball. Uh, and then the touchdown. There were times where he looked good. The touch wasn't there, but when a quarterback isn't comfortable – those big long throws are tougher to make. They're already a lower percentage. And with guys around your feet, the touch just isn't going to be there. Sure. If, if you have to make a choice, pick one fire Bush Hamden or force Eason to declare for the NFL draft for next year. Pick one. Um, because I know that you don't want either. So that's why I'm basically saying you have to pick one. Right. I want Jacob Eason back. Um, I, you already know how I feel about firing coaches. I'm going to put that on Chris Peterson. But, you know, some people have pointed out that this offensive stuff is not just a Bush Hamden thing. That it's, it's an overall philosophy of how the offense works. And I think you have to go straight to the top. And I think that Peterson has to... Uh, change and evolve in this ever-evolving world that is college football. But if you're ha- making me choose between Hamden and Eason, I'm going to want Eason back. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I had the same conversation with a buddy of mine the other day about this coaching staff. You said it perfectly about ha- them having to evolve. 
because I think that they need to start maybe changing the way that they look at younger kids in college football because they had such an old school mentality of we don't want to play the younger kids. We want to give them a chance to grow in the system. Kids don't want to do that anymore. Uh, that's the uh, that's the evolving culture. You're absolutely right. You know, for, for incoming freshmen want to play and they want to play now. And when they're good enough, they should be able to play because you want to put the best product you have on the field. And it doesn't matter whether they're a freshman or a senior. And I think this coaching staff has gotten kind of fit by not playing the, the younger guys a little bit earlier. I, I think it shows in recruiting and I think it shows it as far as playing on the field. Uh, and, and, and you can really start to see the fans and the media start to press this coaching staff a little bit harder and a little bit harder and kind of, you know, I, I feel the amount of pressure that Peterson was getting is kind of what forced the Puka playing in the first place. Yeah, we'll see the, so far the recruiting hasn't been an issue, but one thing that, and I'm sure that you caught it uh, during the bi-week press conference, Chris Peterson talked about how, um, you know, the young guys are still learning the learning the playbook, which is fine. But he t- they he was asked specifically about Austin Osborne, and he said, "When you're learning the playbook, you're going to be a step slower, um, and because you're thinking about what you need to do to be successful." And you know, he is a redshirt freshman with a ton of talent. Um, we've seen Marcus Spiker on the field a little bit. Uh, but they still haven't been able to make uh, crack this rotation that has struggled. Um, I mean, Aaron Fuller was productive yesterday and Terrell Bynum uh, at points was, was in a really good rhythm. Um, How are people like Osborne and Spiker not understanding this almost two full years into this, into this system? Yeah. Dumb down that playbook or, I mean, what is, what do you think? I think that if, if it is so complex that these kids, I mean, I've heard both of those guys talk, they're, they're smart kids. Yeah. If they're still struggling with that part of it, there's gotta be a way to figure out how to be able to get them on the field and experience some success when the receiving core as a whole has struggled for part of this year, you got to figure out what, um, do they have to be in every package? No, but throwing them out there to just run block or be a decoy or, you know, see the field and never get a ball thrown their way. When Eason throws the ball 34 times, there's, there's, there's a systematic flaw in that. Yeah. Um, and I think it's old school. And just like what you were saying, there's too many players that are coming in at all sorts of different positions and are, producing as a true freshman you don't have to look that far back even in washington um jake browning experienced success as a freshman miles gaskin experienced uh success as a freshman and on the defensive side of the ball there's true freshmen that are experiencing success and there's a lot of them playing right now so what is it about this offense that is so hard to grasp yeah that's that's a really good point. You know, obviously, I don't know. I don't know their their offensive playbook, but you would think that even if even if they if Coach Peterson said, "Hey, here's five play Osborne," 
learn these five plays, and at some point in the game, learn these five plays inside and out, and be super efficient at them. And at some point during the game, we'll get you in there for these five plays. And we're going to get you some big chunk yards out of these five plays instead of just here's the whole playbook. Go. Yeah. And, and I'm not a smart enough football mind to understand whether what we're saying is, is true or not. I'm just looking around college football and I'm seeing, and on this team and I'm seeing freshmen have impacts and I'm seeing other freshmen not. Yeah. And I don't think it's because of lack of talent or lack of effort. Yeah. Totally agree. Tune in on Wednesday. Of course, we got Mario Bailey coming on to talk um, Apple Cup. He had some interesting things that he posted on uh, some social media platforms. I'm really excited to talk to him. Uh, we'll preview the Cougs. Go, dogs. Go dogs.